You know, um, if you just trample on them, go on. Yeah, you can um, just trample on diseases. That's what the Bible says. You just you just trample all over them. Oh, okay. Yeah, cool. it, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what the government says because we believe in the Bible, and the Bible says that if you handle poisonous <laughs> snakes and they bite you, you'll be okay. Right, 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 right. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. Right, right. Um. Follow-up question. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. <laughs> Philippians 4.16, bro. <laughs> Are you joking or not? If you're not reading the Bible, I don't want to have this conversation. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, um, yeah, right. Okay. Okay. <laughs> doing like a little sunrise uh, service for Easter ourselves just going out and I don't know I was even thinking of writing something like a, writing a little liturgy thing I don't know some some kind of like dear God it's the time of the zombies uh, let your kingdom come I don't know you know um, <laughs> so yeah like we might do that kind of do our own thing but yeah it's fun as we watch uh, someone speaks like you know, Greg or Kathleen or someone. Well, cool. uh, join my church. Join my church. You can. I'll give you a link. I guess. Yeah, we could. I mean, we could watch every. We could probably attend. Like you could go to all the churches. Fifty-five. Church, yeah, all the churches. Just like, yeah, full-time church. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Send me. Send me your links. Hook me up. Lumc.ca. Perfect. That's it. Lumc.ca. Click on the watch button. Lump. Lumsy. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, cool. Hey, Tim. Oh, Katina. How are you? I'm okay. How are you doing? Pretty good. Tina, Pretty we're good. over this. Tim. Tim's a good friend. You don't have to just give him the classic, I'm okay. How are you? <laughs> he really wants to know. Well, okay. If you really want to know, sure. <laughs> Uh, I, yeah, no. Yeah, I was laid off for two weeks, but I just found out today I'm being recalled on Tuesday. So that's good news. Re- recalled? What is that? Like, they, <laughs> I have to go back to work on Tuesday, I guess, is what that means. Um, wow, okay. Yeah. Our, I, I didn't know that was happening. Yeah. So well, for us, it's um, we have to still work within, like, our stores are closed, but um, because I work for um, MCC, it'll be like, I'll just be redeployed. So they were able to get the wage subsidy from the government. Um, right. So that, that's how they're they're getting us back. Um, okay. And then it'll just be like probably just lots of donor relations and as much right. work from home as we can do. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, wow. so that'll be that, strange, but yeah, that was good news to hear that, or it was. Uh, it was. I mean, uh, I, at first I was a little bit like, I don't understand how this is going to work. Um, yeah, like how can I do my job from home? Even like redeployed stuff, it's, uh, you know, what's this going to look like? Because they they don't even have a clear picture of what that looks like. But I appreciate that. They want to take care of their employees. They want to, you know, 
they obviously didn't want us to to be on unemployment or whatever. Like it, it was a hard decision for them to lay us off, but um, but yeah, we're just gonna go with it and see. Just be creative and see what the coming months are gonna look like. Um, and wow. so in the end, I moved very quickly into thankfulness, and that I realized that um, not everybody has this. Um, this experience where they can have income. So, um, yeah, I'm just gonna, you know, I'm working from home. So there's still a little bit of like flexibility in terms of like hours and, and that sort of thing. So just because we have to operate under self-isolation. Um, Uh so, you know, some, some more normalcy, I guess, to my day versus like just baking and, gardening and organizing and reading which i was you know you can only do so much of that for a time yeah yeah based on uh the podcast um episode i listened to you have been doing lots of reading yeah <laughs> and i so, couldn't remember the author wow names. you did your research <laughs> uh yeah i know i, I, I listened to you said that's good that's good you did the research because we don't know anything about you we literally don't know what <laughs> color your hair is if you have a beard or anything but we're gonna based on that though we're gonna try and piece together an introduction for you um, okay and we're gonna we're gonna give you an intro right now so uh wow. talking to us today is the main man the guy, he's from Toronto. It's a big city. He is, uh, he's a teacher. He's been a teacher. He's an outdoorsman, a birder. He's a father. Oh. He's our friend. Mm. He's studying to be a doctor. What? <laughs> you, know, we need, you know what the world needs right now is more doctors. Also a really <laughs> sick ultimate Frisbee player. Oh, my gosh. This guy Ooh. knows ultimate Frisbee. His name is... Tim. Martin. A.K.A. Tom. That's an inside joke. Nice, nice, nice. That's, thank you. Wow, wow. So honored. Thank you for having me. So I have a question for you, Tom. Tim? Sorry, is it yeah. Tom? Uh, I generally go by Tim oh. or Tom. What do your friends call you? <laughs> it depends which <laughs> friend. <laughs> uh, the majority, I would say, opt for Tim. But your special friends call you Tom. Exactly. Yeah. Basically me and Dino, but never Dino, just me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I just have a question. Do I hear like a mountain of crickets? Um, you, you don't, unless you hear them from where you are. Um, oh, but, it sounds uh, like I hear a bunch of crickets. Oh, really? Um, right, right now? Yeah. I think I, it's like, it sounds like you're outside on a porch. In the wild. Oh, I wish. I wish. Actually, I like that. I'll keep going with that vibe, I guess. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, there is some wild, whatever wild is. There's some some of that around me um, where I am. But I'm, I'm inside. I'm on the other side of the wall. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, that's a good, that's a good uh, phrase, the other side of the wall. Put that in your liturgy. Ooh, I like that. The other side oh. of the wall. Yeah, that's super deep. All right, so what are you studying in, uh, you're trying to be a doctor of some kind? You're, like, trying to get a couple letters? Yeah, not a, not a medical doctor, um, uh, so I will be of, of no use, um, but uh, I'm doing a PhD in education. 
Whoa. Um, I'm currently trying to decide what um, my PhD actually is in in terms of what my dissertation will be. I had a Zoom meeting today about that, actually, with a professor of mine who was very helpful. But uh, I currently am finishing coursework, so I've been writing papers during the day and then uh, hanging out with my 10-month-old son, Caius. Wow. And... Um, my uh, my wife Ricky, who's uh, who's really great. Yeah. yeah. Do you ever call your son Kawaius? As like a Toronto Raptors fan. Yeah. So my brother. So when he was born, um, he was born mid playoff run. He was born actually the night after he was born. We were we were in the hospital. We'd stay in the hospital. We watched. Uh, I think it was Game Six against uh, Philly, uh, which I'm pretty sure we lost. But then. Uh, we we won, so my brother started calling him Kawaius. Uh He was the first to call him that, and uh, it sort of caught on. Some other people have called him that. Do you like that, or does it? Did you make? Does it make you feel weird? No, no, I like it. I like it. it's good memories. Um, I feel like you know maybe he's destined. I don't know to play on the Raptors someday. Who knows? Probably. Um, probably. Yeah. Yeah. Probably. Based on what I know uh, about him, probably. Yeah, yeah, and he's he's coming from I, I think Ricky made her junior high basketball team, and I was like a mediocre high school basketball player. Um, so you know he's got he's he's you know, he's got some hope for sure. But the thing is, like every Toronto Raptor has been a baby, so definitely, yeah, he's got that going for him. Like, yeah, he's on the right track right Pretty now. Pretty good chances, yeah, totally. So I'm I'm really I want to hear what you think from your uh, ecological perspective about the whole wide world right now. Like, you're a, you're an outdoor guy, but you also did your master's in what? My master's in environmental studies, yeah. Studying environments. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The environment, environments. And environment. environment. Which environment did you study? Like, was it indoors, uh, outdoors? I guess it was mostly outdoors. I was, uh, my, my thesis was around a... Uh, Outdoor education program running just outside the city of Hamilton, and uh, so I spent a lot of time. Is it called the Pine Project? Uh, It's not called the Pine Project. Is that what you asked? Yeah, it's called uh, Operation Wild, Mm. um, which ran from an organization called Arasha, Arasha Canada. They run Arasha has centers all over the world, but Arasha Canada runs some centers in Ontario, and it was a it's an outdoor education program for adults with disabilities. Um, or adults facing barriers to um, to outdoor education. So it was pretty fun. Uh, I spent a lot of time with them. I also worked for the Pine Project at the same time, but that was a job. Yeah. Oh, you worked at the Pine Project? Yeah. Whoa. Yeah, yeah. We talked about this. When you worked for the... Well, like after, but we talked like... We compared notes. Um, what's it called? Guelph Outdoor School Pine Project? I did work at Guelph Outdoor School, yeah. yeah I, I don't I recall that conversation. I remember comparing notes with you. You talked about, like, you ran over a skunk one day and then you brought it in or something. Yeah, see, you didn't check the notes very well because it was a rabbit and I didn't run it over. I just found it. But I still brought it in <laughs> and we still ate it. <laughs> no, yeah, I was pretty sure you didn't run it over. But it was a better story if you ran it over. I don't run over animals. Um, fair enough, me neither. Actually, one time. One time. I feel still feel badly. What did you that. run over? Uh, I ran over... Well, no, okay, my sister ran over a raccoon. I was in the passenger seat. 
Um, and then I'm pretty sure I I'm pretty sure I hit a bird once. Oh. Have you yeah. seen the thing? You know the birds aren't real. You seen that? <laughs> yeah, just I just watched it. What? What is this? Birds aren't real, Tina. Where? Yeah. Birds I, are not real. I was devastated. Okay, so in okay, so here's what I know about it. In the seventies or something, the government of America <laughs> went on a mass genocide of all birds and replaced them with surveillance drones. Yep. Where was this information? In America. But where is it currently? It was Did on the news. On Facebook it was on the news. Uh, it was on the news. I'm not kidding. Yeah, the guy, um, I question how reputable the man on the news was, or at least the link that you sent me. But is, it, is it because he, he was, wore sandals? He was on the news. Was it the sandals? <laughs> I don't know. I think it was more like his facial hair situation. Okay. Yeah. It actually kind of matches mine right now, and I wouldn't trust me on the news, so. <laughs> you know. So. There you go. All birds are apparently drones? Not apparently. That's a, that's offensive. They are drones. No. <laughs> Not apparently. Allegedly. Allegedly. Okay. Yeah. Allegedly. Well, I don't I don't think that's true. I, I find it hard to believe um, with certain birds. I feel like certain birds would be good drones. Um, like we had, we had five turkey vultures fly over today and they were oh. just kind of hovering. Droners be droning. Like, I was like, yeah, like fair enough. If you're a drone, like you're doing probably really good work. But then like, you know, if you're, I don't know, if you're a warbling vireo, I don't think you're a very good drone. That's I don't, not a I don't, real bird. I don't, even, I don't even know what you can see. Just leaves. Well, based on when you see it, but what, what, when do you not, when you not see it, what do you think it's doing? It's droning. Yeah, that's true. That's true. It's doing drone stuff. Fair enough. Doing drone stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So who knows? All right. So let's hear about your birds this year, man. Cause uh, you've inspired us. We just spent 800 bucks on binoculars. Woo! <laughs> that is, uh, sounds like you got some good, good binos. We got two um, sets. That's two sets though. And, and, and there's a 30% mail in yeah. rebate. Yeah. So. Nice, they nice. will be less than $800, but we decided it was time to invest because our crappy $20 ones are not doing it anymore. No, it just it just doesn't cut it. You need, yeah, you need good vision. What, uh, so is it uh, the Monarchs? Did you get the Monarchs? That's what I have. Uh, we got the Bushnell, Bushnell. Engage. Ooh. Yeah. I, I don't know those. That's like high-end Bushnell. I had like an entry-level Bushnell pair when I first started. Um that's amazing. I think it's I'm, a uh, new line based on the email correspondence I've had with the store. Uh, it's something newish, but okay, yeah, very exciting. Maybe we'll try and get them on. We'll get them to talk about amateur birding. Ooh, that'd be fun. Yeah, yeah. You know what? Um, even my entry level bush, I was like, I, I love those. I, they actually, I broke them. Um, I broke them. They were my bag, um, but they were they they did me very well. Um, they make a good pair of binoculars. Um, so, yeah, so birding is a huge part of my life. Um, Ricky is very frustrated about it sometimes. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I mean, other times she enjoys it. Like, we went out the other day for a walk, and we saw lots of great stuff, and I think I think even she had fun. Um, but my big push right now yeah. is, I'll tell you, is... So when COVID happened, 
we turned tail and fled. My, my parents were, uh, they're hiding out in their place uh, in the city, but they have a cottage up near Perry Sound. Ballin'. We are, yeah, currently at. So we are the luckiest people in the world. Whoa. There's, like, no one up here, and we just sit here, and I have a cottage bird list, um, which I've been, you know, really working hard on for the last couple of years, and the last few weeks has been a great, you know, a great opportunity. I've added two species, which has taken me to officially, as of yesterday or two days ago, Come on. Um, number 100. Whoa! Yeah, yeah. yeah. So my Christmas back is in black. <laughs> that's how I. That's what I said. That's yeah. huge. Yeah. So saw a purple finch uh, two or three weeks ago when we got here. Um, watched the purple finch and its partners singing around, which was lovely. And then uh, yeah, just just a couple of days ago, two ring neck ducks. Yo, nice. I yeah. told you the ring neck ducks were in town. I know, and you were the one. Yeah, exactly. You were the one that said they were coming, and you didn't lie. No. Um, Bro, well, now we got long-tailed ducks down here. Pintail. Oh. Send them. No, long-tailed. Long-tailed's a different duck? Long-tailed's a different duck. We got long-tailed ducks, like the eastern long-tailed duck or something. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. There's we, long tails and pins. You probably have both. You probably have pins and long tails. Word up. We got, we got northern shovelers. Oh, send them all. Send them all. I don't have any. I have not seen any of those up here. So we got um, Bonaparte's gulls. You ever seen a Bonaparte's gull? Uh, not up here. I have uh, down in the city, but not up here. Well, we got some of those. We got some. Uh, we got some Dunlins. What up with the Dunlin? Oh my gosh, you guys and your birds. Eh? You guys just get so much down there. It's it's a uh, it's it's hard, man. It's a hard life. It's a hard life. You can't go anywhere without being like, I wonder what kind of birds here. It's true. Like I that well, that's just my life. Like here's a, always. Here's what blows my mind about birds because we went to British Columbia for the first time ever last summer. Yeah. And we went to like I didn't even think about birds when when I got there. Like I didn't even think, oh, there's different birds on this part of the country. Uh-huh. And we went to a place in uh, Port Renfrew called Botanical Beach. So we're on the island. Okay. And I heard this sound, and I was like, "What is that sound? It's a, I've never heard that bird call before." And it's a Stellar's jay. Oh yeah, yeah, the west, yeah, the west coast jay. So it's yeah. like a black blue jay. Yeah, it was yeah, so cool. cool. And the ladies there, there was I was walking around trying to see it, and I got a good vision of it, and I was in a parking lot, and uh, this was in the what we now call the before time. When you could talk to people outside, and I said, "Hey, what kind of bird is that?" And they said, "That's a blue jay." And I said, "That's not a blue jay." And they went, "No, yeah, that's a blue jay." Wrong. <laughs> and I was looking at it, going, "Like, I don't think that's a blue jay." They go, and I'm like, "No, I'm I've seen a blue jay before." They're like, "No, that's a British Columbia blue jay." And uh, it was not. Don't even know their own jays. No, I went and looked it up, and it was a Stellar's jay. But I also yeah. on the way to um, we took a, a bus from the train. From the plane to, um, where's the ferry go to to Van- Victoria, Vancouver Island? Oh, where does it leave from? Yeah. or something? Don't remember. Oh, it leaves from uh, a place with a hard name to say, Sawasin. The yeah. Sawasin Ferry. That sounds right. And near Sawasin, there's this, like, we saw literally, like, 200 herons all in the same yeah. body of water. That was cool. Oh, wow. <laughs> like, it was, I'd never seen anything like it. It was unreal. Herons everywhere. Oh, wow. That's amazing. So yeah, the, the West is amazing for birds. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
I mean, if, I guess, I guess you, anywhere on an ocean, you when you're when you're on an ocean, you can. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. So for anyone who's listening that might want to get into birding, because it's something that you know, if you can get to a, a space that's open outside. and yeah, outside, what's the best time of day to see birds, or is there a good time in your experience? Whoa. I mean. The, I feel like the, the typical answer is morning, um, and I, I tend to agree. I think I think that uh, as you get into it, you you start to learn songs and 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 call notes and you know different flight calls and the, the basically all the sounds that the birds make, and they tend to make a lot of noise in the morning. So for people like me, like my vision is actually not that great. It's getting worse and worse. It's so annoying. I stare at a screen all day. And like, anyways, so I, I wear glasses when I go birding now but most of the time for me to notice a bird has got to make some noise so if i want to find it it's really helpful for me if it you know if it makes itself known to my ears before my eyes mm. so morning straight for that um but that being said i find like you can hit the jackpot it's all based on you know based on weather like if suddenly you have a low pressure system that clears and all of a sudden you have this high pressure system that comes in during migration you, you look up you know and the clouds kind of part and you're seeing potentially i don't know dozens or hundreds of migrating hawks come through and that can be middle of the day middle of the afternoon like um in fact for hawk migration and eagles and vultures and you know, all those guys that is probably the best time so, but it's all weather dependent and and wind dependent. So I, you know, as I get more nerdy, I start looking at what the wind's doing during the day. And, um, it, again, during migration, I don't do this year round. But uh, and then uh, you know, after a rain, like I find a good hard rain, and then the rain clears. You go outside and you know things start just like chirping and singing and flying around because they're like, ooh, the rain's gone. Um, Nighttime. I mean, if you want to obviously listen for nighthawks or owls or um, even like uh, woodcocks making noise at night uh, doing their like mating displays. So, I mean, late evening, like dusk, also good. Hmm. Um, And and for COVID, like there is a lot of people, you know, in the burning view, there are a lot of people just going to their balcony and doing a balcony list. So if you live in an apartment, which a lot of people do, um, we used to, and uh, you can see a lot from your balcony, especially if you look up, like look at the sky. And there's uh, right now we're probably just on the brink of broadwing hawk migration. Which, again, on a good day, depending on where you are, you can see a few hundred to a few thousand broadwing hawks at, at the peak of their migration. So, um, you know, look look up wherever you are. Uh, I, you know, it's uh, I know we're all living like hermits, but uh, yeah. That's cool. And bef- yeah. before you learn to identify songs and sounds, what did you do? Like, how did you identify birds in the field? Did you have an app or a book or? Um, when I started, started, I just, uh, yeah, I would see a lot and, um, and I probably miss a lot too. Cause you, you don't even, I think when you start, you don't even know where to look like, where does a bird sit in a tree? You know, which birds sit where? Like, I think I always thought birds just were always at the tops of the trees, and then you look at the tops of the trees, and they weren't there. Then you look at the bottom, and, oh, look, there's a bird. So, um, yeah, so 
you start by just kind of going out and looking around and then I would I had an old paper you know like book style field guide um, and so you'd see something you have no idea what it is and scramble through the field guide and then normally I'd have I'd, I'd sort of find it or I'd have some idea of what it might have been and then I'd check with someone and say would it make sense if I saw this at this time you know you check with someone who knows more than you do mm-hmm. um, so that's kind of how I started eventually I figured out I actually don't even remember when they first released the app but the Merlin app that was released by uh, Cornell the Cornell uh, Ornithology Lab I found that eventually um, whenever they released I don't know when it came out but um, that's been super useful they have songs on the app too so if you hear a song you don't recognize you can potentially you know try and find the song um, yeah so that, that app has been great I, I now have a field guide I now mostly uh, have a field guide at home that if I you know, if I see something really tricky or really tricky identification, I can always go home later and like double check. But, uh, when I'm out for a walk, I just, uh, do my best with, uh, my eyes and ears. But, uh, yeah, definitely when you're starting, I always carried a little field guide. Hmm. That's cool. And I have, uh, another maybe tough question. Do you have a uh, top three favorite birds? Oh, this is, this is the question. I was thinking about this. I was on a, I was jogging the other day. I was thinking about this. People always ask me, I need to come up. I need to have a good answer. Um, (laughs) Or the three that come to your mind, I guess. Yeah. So I think I have like categories. I have like birds that are like kind of what I call like celebrity birds. You know, they're like so epic that you like pee yourself when you see them. Um, (laughs) And so I feel like. So, I mean, for me, like, the last bird I saw like that, I think, was a golden eagle. Um, we thought we saw one over. the other day. We totally thought we saw one the other day. I did. You I might thought, have. No. no I called. No. I was like, yo, it's a golden eagle. My guy's a golden eagle. And I was like, yeah, it looks like one. And then we went, there was this other guy with a big scope, and I was like, yo, did you see that eagle? Was that a golden eagle? And he's like, golden eagles aren't here this time of year. And like I don't, I don't have that knowledge. So I was like, he totally uh. shot us down. But then he goes, you should go ask that guy. And there was this other guy there with like way more gear than this first guy. And he goes, and I'm like, yo, was that a golden eagle? He goes, no, immature bald eagle. Uh, no, he goes, no real birder would believe you if you said it was a golden eagle. And I was like, yeah, he didn't believe me. <laughs> yeah, I guess it's getting a bit late for golden. I, but they, I mean. I don't know. Late, I think late March, early April, you're still within the range. But uh, yeah, I guess they were giving you a hard time. Um, yeah, and then uh, you know, so that was that was super exciting. That's the last really exciting uh, wall that comes to mind. Um, bird for me. So maybe maybe that's on the list. I think the other two that came to mind, um, just as just as old favorites, that you know, they're not particularly rare but i just happen to love them is uh great blue heron um great blue heron is a special bird for me um it's and for for ricky as well for my wife and we uh we both love them um and uh the other one i love song and i love thrushes are thrushes are great singers and in particular the wood thrush so if you're ever hanging out kind of at dusk in the summertime you're a nice, you know, good, good forest. Um, 
listening for a wood thrush is, is a great activity. They're, they're uh, beautiful singers. They have two voice boxes. So their song is all wonky and weird. Um, they have like two tones that they can make at the same time. Almost. Um, there's a few thrushes. I think that can do that, but they, uh, they're particularly cool. I so have, I have a follow-up question to something you just said there. Yeah. So the great blue heron is a special bird for you and for your wife. And I can think of, uh, I mean, a great blue heron for me is one where I've had some moments with the great blue heron and gone, damn, that's a nice bird. Mm. It's a special bird. And if you're American, obviously your special bird is a bald eagle. But um, my my question to you is why do you think people attach significance to certain kinds of birds? Because even like non-birders have a special bird. Hmm. You, like everybody, I, I don't know anybody, I do know some people who have phobias of birds, but unless you have a bird phobia, usually people kind of have their favorite birds and they, and they know certain birds, but they won't go to places where they're likely to see or even notice birds that are out of the ordinary. Like before I moved to Leamington, I never, I never even heard of a warbler. And now I can probably identify 10 warblers without a book. Yeah. Like now I, I, I ID'd positively ID'd a golden crowned kinglet the other day. Ooh, nice. And like a year ago, I had no idea what that even was. Yeah. But so why do you think people attach significance to birds? Yes. I mean, I don't know. I think there's something about it because I mean, the great blue heron for me was, um, was a significant bird before I was a birder. So I was in the same way that you're saying. Um, so I think, you know, just from my experience, I think there's something about flight that, you know, that just wows us. I think there's something about, um, the, the kind of graceful way that certain birds move. I think, um, so like just actually their physical movements, it's like, you know, it's kind of like a dance kind of thing that you're watching. I think there's also something about like, you know, people get wowed by like the impressiveness of, you know, eagles or like the big guys, like right? The peafowl. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. The peafowl. Yeah. <laughs> um, so the big, the big stuff or the colorful stuff, but so there's an there's an aesthetic you know component, but I think I think for me it was more the way they would move and also the habitats that they would occupy. So for us, like we were big paddlers. My wife and I met by um, being whitewater kayakers, um, and so we would go down rivers together and hang out with great blue herons. That's where they like they would be alongside the banks of the river, and oftentimes they'd fly out in front of you, and it was like there were times I swear where it was like following one down a rapid, you know, like it was like your guide through the waves, you know, there was something Hmm. like deeply um, profound about it. So it was like more where you'd find them and how they would move. And, you know, great blue hair, if you see it up close, it's not like a particularly colorful bird or particularly beautiful bird. I mean, depending on who you are, like there's, um, there's, there's peafowl, you know, whatever. There's bald eagles, but Check out the um, yeah, there's something about that that was like really uh, you, you became like acquainted. It felt like, and it felt like we were visitors. It was like this is your zone, and you're like the guide down the river. You're leading us down the river. You know, like mm-hmm. this is your place, and we're visiting. And like, thank you so much for having us. We're we're so honored, you know, as your guests. You know, um, and that bird's just like. Get away from me. 
Yeah, yeah. yeah. Bruce is like, I'm trying. I'm not guiding you. I'm trying to leave. Stop following me. <laughs> you are scaring the fish. Um, yeah. So uh, probably annoyed. Uh, it's like it's like all the herons hate me, and I love all of them, or something. We have this weird relationship. But yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So I, I don't know. I think it's different for everyone. Like I think some people. I don't know, they grew up with, like, cardinals coming to their feeders and they're like, red bird, you know, and there's something, like, great, that's great, it's a red bird, yeah, it's great. Um, I don't know, it's a different for everyone. Yeah, I remember the first time I ever saw a scarlet tanager. It blew my, a celebrity bird. It blew my mind. I had no idea that bird even existed. Like, yeah, there's, yeah. there's birds, and the thing is, if you're not aware, I'm for myself, before I was aware of birds i was always aware of birds you know birds are around but i'm like yeah robins those are birds seagulls mm-hmm. seagulls blue jays yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. but now i look at seagulls i'm like what kind of gull is that i want to know what kind of gull is it yeah totally. um but before i even knew really that there was like such a variety of birds we were on on the bruce trail once and i came around a bend in the middle of the trail was there was a scarlet scarlet tanager just sitting in the trail wow and i was like I was a little bit ahead of everybody, and I turned around. And I was like, "Guys, you got to see this bird!" You and I was trying to be really quiet, tell them about this bird just up ahead. I had never seen anything like that. Like just one color. They got a little black strip on them, but yeah, what a what a red! I didn't know what it was. It was it alarmed me. It, I had never. It was like a ruby, a little yeah. ruby in the middle of the trail, and I was alarmed by it because I didn't know it existed, and it startled it startled my consciousness. Wow. When, I, when I went and figured out what it was, um, you know, that was years before I think you, like before you were into birding, before I even talked to you about birding. Mm-hmm. But now I have such a different relationship with birds, all because of you, Tim, by the way. Um, I'm honored. I'm honored. But just there's an awareness that comes up when you see birds and you can, like, you know, quickly ID them and go, okay, well, that's a. That's a, a, a chickadee or something. But, like, even just taking interest in a sparrow on the ground and going, okay, what is that? Is that a house sparrow? Is that a field sparrow? Is it a mm-hmm. is it a singing, a song sparrow? Is it uh, – yeah. what other sparrows are there? Chipping sparrow? Yeah, yeah totally. Um, I, I think, like, I think you, you start to – I mean, I think birding for me is all about uh, paying attention. I right. think that's exactly what it is. And I think that was what my interest in environmental studies came from and continued from was this idea of paying attention. And, and it, it's not necessarily always paying attention, you know, even to birds, like, you know, in, in the sense of my interest in environmental studies. I think when we think about the environment, we think about, you know, what we're doing in, in ecology and all that. Like, there's so much um, wrapped up in learning to pay attention and, and what that could maybe might you know do for us as a species um but that came from birding like that that sort of lesson in paying attention um and i think like you know you uh, you just mentioned so many things that uh you know they give that make me think of so many memories like i even think of my memory of a scarlet tanager was i went to this conference in high park in toronto and there was a, it was a EcoLinks conference. It was an education conference for like eco, you know, eco folks, um, and a lot of teachers and stuff like that. And we 
there was a, a session that was done by Bird Studies Canada, and the woman leading it was like, "Well, let's go, let's go out and see what we can see." And it was like, you know, it was middle of May, it was the middle of like songbird migration, and we literally walked outside, and she kind of turned to us and, and maybe just to me and one other person, just kind of said like, you know, like we're probably not going to see anything here, but like, let's just, you know, for, for the exercise, like, let's just go outside and it's whatever. And we literally turned the corner and a scarlet tanager was like 10 feet away from us sitting in a branch and everyone like lost their pants and like, you know, started like peeing. And then she was like, she was like at a loss for words. Like she was like, this is not what I was expecting. And uh, of course, like, you know, I think, I knew what it was and there was a couple other people that knew what it was and and we were like this is so cool and, and uh but it was like this moment and everyone you know people say everyone has their spark bird like you know your Whoa. bird that really gets you into birding hmm. and I I thought like you know the amount of people in that group who maybe weren't birders was that like a moment for them where they're like what can I see if I pay attention hmm. like what can I you know, what could I find? There's like, the, the woods are crawling with like beautiful creatures and not just birds. Like, you know, we just saw our first morning cloak butterflies up here the other day. Um, Whoa. you know, so it's just like, just amazing. What's, what's there if you, when you begin to notice. And then I realize as I get better at noticing, I realize how bad I am at noticing, <laughs> um, you know, <laughs> It's like I'm still terrible, and I like I think I'm getting good at it, and I'm I still still realize all the time what I'm missing all the time. So, um, yeah. What do you think we can, as people, notice during this COVID pandemic, in terms of the environment? Oh, I mean, I mean, there's positive stories coming out. I think I think we can notice, um, you know, what it's like when we we sort of step back a little bit. I mean, there's, there's a story in the news today or something about, you know, all the sea turtles that have come back to different areas to start nesting because the beaches are, you know, finally free of like one bojillion people. Um, and so, yeah, so there's like stuff that's, you know, kind of like waiting for us to give them a bit of space, you know? And I mean, it's tough. I'm not telling people like, don't ever go to the beach again. Like, um, you know, I like beaches too, but, uh, you know, it just makes you, it, there is something about when we step back and we're all forced back into our little, like, you know, holes and homes and wherever we're hiding now, um, there, we're going to see, you know, uh, visitors or, or maybe we're the visitors, you know, we're going to see things coming back to places. We're going to see, you know, turtles reestablishing a home somewhere. And maybe we'll, maybe we'll have to ask ourselves, like, what does this mean for us, you know, as a cohabitant of this planet, you know? Um, so I think there's, yeah, there's, uh, some interesting questions we have to ask ourselves for sure. And the plan, you know, the meme, like the planets all sent us to our rooms to think about what we've done now. I've seen um, that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so it's like, okay, well, well then what are we going to, when we leave our rooms, what are we going to think about or what are we going to um, do differently? Are we going to do anything differently? Yeah. That's been a big sort of thinking piece for me of, you know, for the people who have isolated and have been stuck at home for a while and can't go to work and can't do the regular things they do. Uh, folks who are saying, you know, I'm just trying to get some outside time. It's like, uh-huh. that's got to be enriching for you, isn't it? Like, isn't it relaxing 
to go for a walk. Are you and after COVID, will you continue to take walks? Yeah. You know, that's yeah. that's what I want to know. Like, is this going to help people get into healthier habits of self-care? And, yeah. you know, sadly, I talked to an OPP guy today who said that domestic calls are up. Yeah. You know, and for, for people who are stuck at home, who are stuck with people in their home who are not safe, who are not healthy, who are not caring or kind, you know, I don't mm-hmm. I don't have an answer for that. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe maybe it's just like I don't know. Take a walk for to for a little yeah. bit of, for a little bit of relief. I'm not saying that's a, a solution, but it must be dreadful living with somebody who is unbearable right now. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. <clears throat> but for for people who are taking on new habits of, like for me, I'm running. I'm I'm going running because I don't have a gym anymore. Yeah. And yeah, I I'm just trying to get more kilometers more more meters even i'm not even on the kilometer level i'm running like 200 meters at a time and i go i run 200 meters and rest and run 200 meters and rest and on and on and on until i hit three kilometers that's awesome and i like but for the folks who are noticing the world changing around them like the thing i saw a thing about northern india where they can see the snow-capped himalayas again for the first yeah. time in 30 years. Because the pollution's down? Because the pollution's wow. down. Because yeah. the smog is gone. And you can see it's 200 kilometers away, but you can see the top of the Himalayas. Wow. Yeah. From, That's amazing. From 200 kilometers away in northern India. And the photos are amazing. The photos from 30 years ago and the photos from today, you compare them, and it's like, what a different landscape these people experience now. Yeah. And yeah. the question is, can we keep it going and the healthy the healthy repercussions to our need to you know we're really trying not to let the herd be thinned out in an aggressive way but if the herd were thinned out in an aggressive way the the planet would just be different because the fact is human activity has an impact on the planet yeah it just does it's observable it's measurable it's it's factual and, you know, our activity right now is we're all staying home. We've shut down our industries. We've, we've shuttered our doors. And the planet is responding in its natural way. Yep. So, yeah, the big question is what do we do when this is all over? Do we go back to the same behavior that, like, Man, it's such a for me. Even just the Himalayas right there. I'm doing. I got to do the Easter service on on uh, to, on Saturday. We're going to record the Easter service. I'm trying to write this call to worship, and it's like, can I? Is it fair to put like we can see the Himalayas again as a sign of resurrection? Is that a picture of resurrection of like what was what was gone is now back? And a view. It's just a view. But when you look at it, you go, isn't this better? Mm, isn't this better Hmm. and maybe maybe that's too narrow of a lens maybe that's too narrow of a lens to go what a beautiful mountain range oh but it's better because uh seven million people are out of a job right yeah well okay maybe it's not better Mm -hmm. maybe or it is better but it's also not the whole picture and it's then it becomes all complicated when we say what are human needs? What is the extent of human need, and how do we fulfill that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so. But I, I think all of the evidence that will come out of this um, should give a pretty good argument 
in, in, um, for like climate change and all of these things that were coming to the Uh forefront, um, politically and globally. And so I think, you know, as these little glimpses here and there of like the sea turtles get to nest again and the Himalayas are visible and all the other, um, things about the ozone and all these data points that are coming out, um, that will hopefully shape the politicians and the global leaders' um, minds and how to go forward with this. And maybe there's a way where we can say, you know, we can't shut down the world forever the way that it currently is, but how can we, you know, incrementally move towards protecting the things that have been restored in a way? Yeah. I've been trying to frame this whole thing as a sort of Sabbath. Mm, yeah. Right? And well, go ahead. No, no, you go you go. You go. Well, just just in terms of as we're talking about like the earth has time to rest, you know, the the the, the atmosphere has time to rest. Mm-hmm. And and Sabbath as this place of rest is if you read like Abraham Heschel He's a he's a Jewish scholar and writes about Sabbath as you know the observance of Sabbath the observance of Sabbath is a proclamation that our entire dependence is not upon the economy it's actually on something more it's on God it's on God who is the creator of all of this and and it points to our cohabitation in and amidst creation where the world yeah. around us that actually like what actually sustains you is not built in a factory. Yeah. And yet our pursuits outside of Sabbath is about manufacturing and production and and consumption. And Sabbath yeah. and especially like strict Jewish Sabbath of you're not cooking that day, you're not traveling that day, you're not pushing elevator buttons that mm-hmm. day. You are resting. You are not participating in the world's economic endeavors that one day. Yeah. And this is... Well, I think of... Yeah. Well, I I think of, um, like, Ricky and I had this conversation the other day, like, the the socio-political order is so out of whack in that, like, in times like this, you think, like, who should be paid the most? In terms of, like, in terms of our economic ordering of things the people who should be paid the most money to do what they do are the people taking food out of the ground to give to us Mm. and and those are the people like those are the people that make the least those Mm -hmm. are the people in precarious work you know migrant workers farm labor like you know just getting totally demoed and it's like if you want to talk about work that matters it's like we need to eat and everything else, all this like ordering of things that we have is largely just like this wasteful consumptive enterprise. And we need to eat and we need to rest and we need to, you know, be outside and be together and and care for one another. But like there's a a very basic level. I don't know this for this time has made me sort of step back and go like, Man, our our like the 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 system is is broken. I mean, obviously we all think that all the time, but um, yeah, like I think that was one that was one thing that that you just reminded me. I was like, 
we we just need to get food and to care for one another. Yeah. <laughs> and, it's like, um, and so I think, uh, you know, and then the other thing you made me think of there was, um, you know, there's a lot of, I think there's a lot of space, need for space for, for listening to a lot of the indigenous voices, you know, people, scholars, indigenous scholars and thinkers and elders that have been saying all this stuff for a long time uh, as well, mm. um, you know, and uh, and I I think of there's a guy Dwayne Donald and he says that his the paraphrase of his definition of colonialism you know you think of colonialism and you know the genocide of indigenous peoples you know globally and yada yada um, his, but his definition of colonialism is an atrophy of the sense a denial of relationship and an atrophy of the senses. And so we think it in those terms. We think like we here we have this like colonial capitalist system that is you know the wheel right the wheel is just spinning and suddenly the wheel has stopped. We're all kind of in freeze frame right now, except for like grocery store clerks and nurses. Um, and and we have to think about how have we been denying relationship and how have our senses atrophied? And there's actual physical moments where like mountains physically come into view and our senses are reawakened. And we are like, what do we do with that? Yeah. Do we, do we want our senses to stay engaged? Do I want to keep seeing these mountains? Do I want to keep and, and develop a relationship with them, you know, with the physical rocks? Um, or do I want to go back to that? You know, and and what choices need to be made in order to make that happen? It's complicated. It's very complicated. But it's like, yeah, you know, these are things that I think indigenous thinkers like Dwayne Donald have been, you know, saying or warning us about for a lot of time as well. So well, hey, you got to read Parker Palmer's "To Know as We Are Known." Mm, okay. you, know that, you know that book? No, it's pretty short, but it's taken me a long time to get through because I got to reread paragraphs over and over again. But he poses. Our pursuit of knowledge often comes out of either curiosity or, um, oh gosh, what's the second one? <laughs> Control. So okay. we 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 look for. So he's talking. He's trying to add. He's trying to talk about the spirit of edu- so spirituality in education. Hmm. Okay. So he he's a Christian person and he wants to bring sort of a spirituality of love into education and say, and he's saying that. When we come at things from the from the pursuit of curiosity and control, what we do with our knowledge is we end up possessing the world around us. So we want to dissect it and understand it so that we can control it and possess it. Mm-hmm. And that's that bears out in in reality. Like we see that, but mm-hmm. he says if we come at it from from a from a place of love and realize that we are actually like connected to this thing and that we can we can receive it and experience it instead of control it and manipulate it uh, that's just what he he says that we're going to get better results out of that we're going to make healthier humans <clears throat> and so what you're talking about um, in terms of like a broken system and indigenous um, sort of uh, uh, what's that word what's it when you epistemologies yeah ways of knowing indigenous ways of knowing yeah um yeah, like yeah he, uh, he, he's driving towards similar things he's not he wouldn't use like indigenous or colonial language but talking about a different yeah. way of pursuing knowledge and what we do with knowledge 
Is it about yeah, control and power or is it about receiving and enjoying and contributing being yeah. part of the whole thing? Yeah, I think, I think, um, you know, for, for whatever reason, I mean, there's thinkers. I actually feel like, I feel is Wendell Berry and Parker Palmer, are they, are they like, are they like buddies? Are they like, I feel like they're similar. I don't know. I never met um, Wendell Berry, but I know his brother Chuck and, uh, Chuck's cool. Oh, nice. Yeah. Cool. 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 Um, yeah, no, I, I, I read Wendell Berry a bit and more his poetry, but I, I enjoy his, his thoughts as well. But, uh, he's written a lot of things, so I haven't read all of them. Um, but Wendell Berry, I think comes at it similarly. And I think some of these guys like, or thinkers, people, um, I think some of them, you know, talk about colonialism and are like, you know, sort of confrontational about it. And some of them don't. And, you know, I think, uh, I mean, my personal, you know, view is that it's worth confronting. Um, but I think, I think in a way, from what I know of Parker Palmer, I feel like in a way he he has the same beef that I have. He's just not naming, you know, he's not making it about colonialism or capitalism or whatever. But he's, well, I only read chapter one of the book so far, so we'll see where he goes. Yeah, yeah we'll see, we'll see. But uh, anyhow, I think I think it's like to say the. The, the same logic can still apply when, you know, some people want to, you know, name the, the sort of violence or whatever. But uh, I think, you know, I think there's um, a real need to think about what we've done and think about the violence and think about what hasn't worked. But then also, yeah, thinking, you know, towards something new, something different, something more loving, more caring, more kind, more generous, you know, um, and, uh, and what does that Entail, which I think I think a lot of these, uh, you know, there's a lot of good, good things out there. Good, good writing, good thoughts. It's hard uh, because loving and caring and kindness doesn't get anybody super wealthy, and I think there's so many of us, and I include myself in this, where the pursuit of mega wealth, mm-hmm. it just sounds worth doing. Yeah, it's really sexy. It's super sexy. Woo. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And I think Well, you know, but that's, okay, that's hang on. The, super sexy, but also the illusion is that you won't have any problems. Yeah. That's what I yeah. think. I think if I had if I had 5 million dollars tomorrow, I would be fine forever. Mhm. And all my and there'd be no existential angst. There'd be no mm-hmm. depression, there'd be no sadness. Because yeah. I could just I could just deal with it right away. I could go buy a new car. I, yeah. I could go to the mall and just spend my day shopping, or just not yeah. have any bills, or just not have any bills. I wouldn't. <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't have to think about bills. I wouldn't have to think about the mortgage. I wouldn't have to think about these things that give me grief. Yeah. And uh, I could just, I, if I wanted to need a vacation, I could just take a vacation. Yeah. No, on the other side of it too is, I mean, we have there are ingrained habits in all of us. I think that are harmful that we need to you know, recognize and, and deal with. And I mean, even like how good it feels sometimes to buy something, you buy something, you feel good. And you, like, why, like, why does this feel good? Like why you know, and we have to deal with that. And I think, I think the other thing too, is that a lot of like, you know, when you start naming, you know, and you start being all anti-capitalist and anti-government or anti-whatever, um, you start to have to reconcile with the fact that 
leaving those systems behind, leaving the systems that we have so far behind, that's going to be difficult. Like that's, that's really, really, we're talking about really difficult stuff. And I think that's what a lot of, um, people don't consider is they say, well, capitalism is broken and we need to stop it and we'll do something else and then it'll be better. And I think leaving it and doing something else is good. But when you do that, it's going to be very hard. It's going to be really hard to pry ourselves loose. And I mean hard in all kinds of ways. I mean hard in terms of like, you know, real um, having to check our own consumption and purchasing and realize how much a part of the problem we are. I mean hard in the sense of like, you know, there's people that are going to suffer if we, if we just like pull the rug out from under them. Like we're not talking about billionaires, not getting their like Ferraris. I'm talking about, you know, the other end of the garment makers. Yeah. So there's yeah. going to like, we have to deal with the fact that like, w- of what kind of suffering are we going to, um, you know, put on to people and then how are we going to be generous in the midst of that? And, and so, you know, when you start talking at the level of systems, it gets really complicated because, yeah. um, you know, and, and like right now, like COVID, like there's suffering, right? Like there's people who, oh, yeah are if they're not already they will like, you know be suffering and i'm not talking again about like um old folks homes and you know god forbid people dying of covid but i'm talking about like the suffering that comes from you know the system shock that's happening yeah but um, and like i mean in canada we have the the CERB right now or curb or whatever you call it canadian yeah. emergency relief benefit but not everybody's got that if you live in a country that's mm-hmm. not doing that totally what do you do if you don't have a job? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and we have we are lucky to have a benefit that our government is able to provide, but not all governments are able or even willing to provide that. So one thing I'm kind of thinking about as you're talking is this shock to the system and this big painful change that we'd have to go through to walk away from the system we're currently enmeshed with. Mm-hmm. And it's like I wonder if at the end of COVID the leaders just get together and go, okay, guys, so we've started down a path away from the old way, if you will, Mm -hmm. the old system. Do you want to keep going? Mm -hmm. Can we keep going? You know, can we work together and do this? So one of the, another thing I was kind of thinking about as you were talking was the article that came out about, we've now figured out who is essential and we've learned that right. they're the lowest paid of all of us. Yeah. Have you seen that article? I forget who made it. I don't know no. if it's the New York Times or the Washington Post or something. But And I didn't even read the full article, but the, the, the headline was enough that I got the gist of it. It was, we've now determined who is essential, and we've learned that they're the lowest paid amongst us all. And it was basically mm-hmm. saying, like, you know, grocery store employees, Tim Hortons workers, McDonald's workers, like, people mm-hmm. who, you know, even, like, nurses... Yeah. Um, I mean, a nurse's salary versus a, a wage of a grocery store employee is a different thing. But nurses in the hospital system, mm-hmm. like, aren't at the top of the of the pay scale. No. And no, no. now that's not to say the, that's not to say the hospital administrators aren't up to their ears in nightmares right now. But um, uh, yeah. But like grocery store employees. Yeah. are essential right now. Essential. Yeah. And these are like minimum wage workers. Yeah. We, yeah, exactly. And so the challenge of the article, again, which I have not read, but the headline uh, leads me to assume that the challenge from them, the critique, is that 
why aren't these people being paid more money outside of pandemic mode? Right. Right. And because you look at the the top dogs of the the grocery industry, and they are millionaires and billionaires. Mm-hmm. And I mean, my thing yeah. has always been, you know, if if your if your CEO took, you know, a million dollars less a year that could go to employees. I mean, maybe that just means an extra dollar a year for employees. I don't know what that means, but what if it meant something different? What if it, what if they took less $2 million a year? If they make 10, if they make $10 million a year, what if they make $8 million a year? Does their life really, is their life really uh, challenged that much by less $2 million? Yeah. They're still getting eight. And it's also a question of like, who matters to the company or, and, and, and to the system, you know, like um, you think of so many, you know, large corporations and who matters is, you know, the sort of CEO and the shareholders. And so it's not even people who are like invested in blood, sweat and tears into the work. It's people outside of that work. And they're the ones who matter and they're the ones who guide the decisions and make the plans and, you know, like have the say and the input. And nobody cares what a cashier thinks. And so it's also a question of like, who do we listen to? Hmm. And so this, this question of like denial of relationship, like, yes, it's a, it's a, it's a more than human, non-human question, but it's also like, it's an ecological question, but it's also a, a human question. You know, um, we have a system that denies relationships that matter. And what does it mean to reevaluate that and to say this corporation is going to value the people that matter to its functioning, mm. you know, the, the most. Mm. Um, and, and so I think like, and, and so again, like, does it take, you know, governments and, you know, CEOs and corporations and whoever coming together at the end of this and saying, hey, do we want to keep this going? Or does it actually take, like, the sort of philosophical, spiritual change that hopefully is happening in people's hearts, you know, right now, for them to get to the end of this and say, wow, I've been denying relationship with people. And so our system needs to change, not because, like, oh, hey, look at how, you know, politically things have changed, or economically things have been all upset and the, the tables have been, you know, all flipped. But actually getting to the bottom of like relationally I've you know I me CEO or Prime Minister whoever have come to realize relationships that I've been denying um like what if if at the end of this we start treating grocery store workers like veterans (laughs) yeah you know what I mean like we we should put up a cenotaph for the grocery store workers that got us through the pandemic of 2020 yeah yeah you know, totally. like build monuments for them, build build structures that we celebrate them. And when you go and you meet, like you tell your kid, this is Sharon, and she works at a grocery store, and your kid yeah. goes, wow. Yeah. You know, yeah. like like this guy was in World War II. Yeah. Wow. This is Sharon. She kept things on the rails for us during COVID. Yeah. No, totally. Um... Yeah, it's just changing. Yeah, it's changing that posture. Um, these are these are big. These are big. To- I don't know. We somehow got from birding 
to <laughs> like saving the world. This always happens with us, I think. Um, this is how we do it, man. This is how we do. But um, I mean, it's all related. It's why I go birding because I'm really just trying to save the world. That's that's uh, <laughs> that's deep you're trying down. to be aware, man. Trying to be aware, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's uh, this has been a pleasure. Um, it's uh, it's almost uh, well, a my bedtime. But uh, I was gonna say it's also almost peak migration. I'm 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 like I'm really. The last few weeks have been like the run up. You know, you guys you guys are getting more stuff down there. But it's still, you know, the ice only just went out up here. So hmm. we're still we're still waiting for uh, you know the peak. We're uh, we're it's just. Just starting to get warmer up here. Yesterday it was beautiful. It was like almost twenty degrees here. Oh, it was oh. awesome. And then today it was freezing cold. So that that sucked. But I'm gonna live for the days that it's really nice. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Anyways, it was uh, it was yeah. It's about I don't know zero or two degrees here today. It was it was, it was a windy one. But uh, we did have we had a couple of days that were around ten. That's awesome. Uh, maybe nine, ten degrees, yeah. We will send all the good birds your way. We'll Please chase do. them north. <laughs> Please do. Chase them north, yeah. yeah. Thanks Bank so much for together. thanks for uh, talking with us tonight and it was great catching up with you. Yeah, no, thanks for thanks for having me. It, it was great to hear you guys and uh I keep doing this. I think it's a great idea. Man, if you know some uh I would love to talk to uh some some folks you know, like, I don't know, if you want to throw me, like, a professor's phone number or uh, hook me up with Simon, Simon would be a cool guy to talk to right now in this time. But we're just trying yeah. to get different perspectives on, like, how different industries, different individuals are responding to pandemic. Yeah. You know? Dude, I, I can hook you up. I'll, we'll, uh, I'll, I'll throw the word around to uh, a few people who I think would be really cool. All right. Well, okay. we're going to edit your episode. And um, and then we'll we'll put it up, and Amazing. you can you can share it if you want. I'll send you a link for it right away, and then you can share it and uh, build some hype for us, man. You're in Toronto. You're in the big smoke. Big smoke, yeah. Yeah, sick smoke. <laughs> you, know, you know Drake? <laughs> yeah, yeah, we all do. We're all like his neighbor. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. All right. All right, Tim. Hey, man. Thanks for being on the show. Yeah. No worries. No worries. Love you guys. And Love you. Uh, talk, Love to you. You. talk to you later. You got to come right. south when the you got to come south when the pandemic's gone, and or yeah, you can man. come south now and we can socially distance and go birding. <laughs> well, I'll come. I'll come as soon as I can. All right. Later. See you again. Bye. 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 Damn. I love Tim. <sighs> well, that got heavy. I don't know what else to say. Just is what it is. Just is what it is. Well, I think all of us could spend some time raising our awareness. Yeah, that was a really good analogy. Yeah, and once you're aware of awareness and you ask yourself, have I been aware, mm-hmm. you become aware of your awareness. Mm-hmm. And you try and work on that muscle. Mm-hmm. Right? And whether that's even... like. That's another word for what's super popular right now, mindfulness. Because when you're aware of your environment and the, the birds that are in it, 
That's one type of awareness. But mindfulness is awareness about your emotions, how you're feeling right now. As it relates to your environment. As it relates to your environment and the, the stimulus that you're receiving. Mm-hmm. And that is another just great way to get through this tough time where when there's stress, when there's anxiety, when there's conflict, you stop and ask yourself, you know, maybe that's external and it's obviously external. But if you're not quite sure where the angst is coming from, you stop and you breathe and you say, what is this? Mm-hmm. You can start to work on it. You can start to work through it. Pull out that emotion wheel. Pull out the emotion wheel. Spin it. See where it lands. <laughs> if it doesn't feel right, spin it again. Yeah. And just work on it. But our awareness and our mindfulness is so important right now, especially for people who are at risk of kind of going off the rails. Mm-hmm. And it's not, I'm not trying to say that in a callous way. I just mean... I mean, we all, that means something different for all of us. And none of us want to be there. None of us want to go off the rails. Mm-hmm. And self-care is important. Community is important. And uh, knowledge of self is important. So, you know, I'm really thankful for that chat with Tim. Would you, would you come away with? I liked that analogy of being aware of birds and aware of your environment. Um, and also thinking about just the environment period. (laughs) Yeah. And what would happen if we don't care for it, then we won't get to see all those cool birds. That would be really sad. Yeah. Well, shout out Tim Martin, AKA Tom, AKA Tommy Thompson, AKA Drake's neighbor. Yep. Later. Bye.